All right, missed the show? No worries. On point and on this podcast, First Nation groups are pretty fed up with Hollywood blowhards who weigh into issues in this country on Twitter, and they have no business weighing in in the first place, and they don't even know what they're talking about. So we'll talk with a First Nations leader who was part of the Coastal Link negotiation since day one and who's challenging Leo DiCaprio to give him a call so he can educate this actor on his ignorance. We'll talk to an award-winning Montreal scientist who's breaking his silence after being refused two federal grants for research because when he was asked about what kind of inclusion and diversity would be on his team, he told the government decision-makers that he'd be hiring based on merit and qualifications instead of a person's identity. I mean, imagine that. And while he's been told, you know, don't speak out, he is breaking his silence because he's so concerned that this woke policy is killing innovation and harming science and disrupting society at large. And we'll talk about a verdict coming in on a very racially charged case that involves three white men who shot a black man out jogging and who left him to die alone on the road. And this is a case that almost didn't happen. If not for the video leaking, which very clearly shows this man was hunted and murdered. Let's get talking. This is On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. I know Mr. DiCaprio, you know, doesn't understand poverty or welfare, doesn't understand these kind of things. But in the last, uh, in my lifetime, how many people can say, yes, I've seen 14 of my friends and family commit suicide. And that's mm-hmm. not counting the people that attempted it. This is so outrageous for some of these movie stars to come in with just uh, at the last minute and actually take a narrative where they don't even understand the foundation of what we're actually doing up here. Indeed, indeed. Leo DiCaprio, stick to your acne because neither you or David Suzuki actually speak for First Nations groups in this country. Hello there, Alex Pearson with you on this Wednesday, November 24th. And holy, every day I'm like, why is it so busy? (laughs) Just the news breaks every hour. So we have lots to talk about. We will talk about it. Uh, But I do want to start with the suck and blow of today's climate crusaders. And When it comes to climate issues, I find there's just so much hypocrisy by those leading this charge that I can't really take it seriously. Yet it is these very people, the David Suzuki's, the Leo DiCaprio's, who are causing the most damage uh, to our economy and First Nation groups that very, very, very much do want energy production in this country. And so, look, it should surprise no one that David Suzuki's suggestion that pipelines will be blown up is met with a shrug by those on the left. I mean, his comments are nothing short of reckless. Had I said them, I'd be charged by now. But of course, I did not. But many First Nations groups also want these comments condemned. Yet when it comes to the left, they seem to be able to justify the unjustifiable. And Extinction Rebellion is now running defense for Suzuki, This is a group of environmental nuttery, uh, which defends violence no matter who or what it hurts. But they want to go way further than Suzuki, never mind bombing pipelines. They're openly calling for leaders to be put on trial for treason or to be killed. And the same goes, apparently, to the media. If the media doesn't do their jobs covering climate change right. Yeah. So here we are, 2021, and we're at the point where environmental groups are openly calling for politicians and media to be either harmed or killed. I mean, really, is that the endorsement David Suzuki wants? I wouldn't. Of course, it never dawns on these people that those who will be hurt the most by their actions will be the First Nations groups they are now exploiting for their cause. So, yeah, go. Go with your pipeline 
and ignore all the damage it would do to these local communities. And I guess it also doesn't dawn on these climate crusaders that a pipeline full of natural gas or oil would leave quite a carbon footprint on Mother Earth, right? And Ellis Ross, who's a member of the BC Legislature, and who'll join me later in the show because he has lots to say on this. He's ha- he had a seat at the table negotiating the Coastal Link pipeline in BC since day one. He's been doing this for years, and so he's outraged by those like the movie stars nosing in where they don't belong. And these threats he sees as just absolutely unacceptable, but are being met with silence. David Suzuki knows how influential his words are, especially when he's talking to an impressionable audience, like what he was talking to. And not only did he say about mm-hmm. pipelines, he also mentioned to his audience that we have to put our bodies on the line. That is mm-hmm. reckless. That is dangerous. You, you're talking about protesters. You're talking about average people that don't know the truth of where this is coming from, that rely on fossil fuels. Like it or not, we rely on fossil fuels. And by the way, those bodies that are out there, it's not just going to be protesters. Yeah. It's going to be law enforcement. It's going to be yeah. media. If, if you're going to start blowing stuff up, I mean, I, I can't believe this conversation is being allowed to have. Yeah, I think a lot of people are surprised at this. Because where where's Justin Trudeau? I mean, the guy that talks about divisions and, uh, you know, the threat of the far right, the far left, whatever. Well, it's not always the far right. Well, uh, silence. Doesn't have anything to say about this, apparently. But he also spared no words for Leo DiCaprio, who tweeted about this blockade of the coastal gas link on Tuesday. His tweet said, quote, After setting up a blockade to protect their land, community, and sacred headwaters, Wenza Kwa from Coastal Gas Link's planned fracked gas pipeline, the Wet'suwet'en Nation has faced militarized raids from the RCMP. We must protect the rights of land defenders. And he made sure to have a picture of all the police in a line across the road. And as Ellis states, like, what the, he- what the hell does this celebrity know? What does he know about our First Nations? What does he know about pipeline development or any of the negotiations? Well, nothing, of course. Because what DiCaprio is calling a militarized raid is actually police officers trying to free the 500 workers who have been trapped in by these protesters because there's only one road that goes in and out. And so they can't leave. And so they're running out of food and water. That's who the police are trying to help. Would Leo rather they starve? I mean, this self-proclaimed environmentalist is so ignorant to the fact of what is involved in this pipeline, he clearly doesn't understand that it has the support of 20 First Nations, including Wet'suwet'en. They all had a seat at the table. They were all part of the negotiations. It took years And they came to a decision, and an unprecedented decision at that, because it's a deal for First Nations groups that has resolved long-standing territorial rights. It offers the wet sweat and control of the 22,000-kilometer territory, and they will all play an active role in energy development that will create jobs, investment, and it will give them financial independence. Of course, I mean, Leo wouldn't care about something like that, right? Because he makes millions and millions and millions of dollars. I mean, his biggest worry in life is what super yacht he should fuel up for his yearly trip to Ibiza. And so he'd rather take the side of the land defenders who aren't even, for the most part, indigenous. Most of them are white people. Many of them aren't even from this country. They're not even authentic, if you ask me. 
Because literally right now, as I'm talking, they're warming themselves by a fire that is being fueled with a natural gas line. Yeah, they're just fueling it with natural gas to make sure it burns 24 hours so they can stay warm. And it's the same kind of natural gas that they're now trying to stop flowing through the coastal gas line. I mean, the irony writes itself. But don't let the facts get in the way, of course, of Leo's good story. He's got lots of them. This is the same guy who declared emphatically that while shooting a movie in Alberta, he saw the effects of climate change firsthand. He saw it firsthand because a Chinook blew in and warmed up the movie set. And so he was rightfully mocked relentlessly for his ignorance. And yet he keeps peddling it to his 19 million followers and all his highfalutin celebrity friends. As far as I can see, stick to acting, Leo. You're good at that, but you are clueless to the facts of this country. And frankly, it's none of his business. But it is the business of our leaders to stand up to the dangerous rhetoric that David Suzuki is now fueling. But I wouldn't hold our breath. I mean, when asked for her reaction on the situation less than half an hour ago, just like when it came to burning churches, Christia Freeland had absolutely nothing to say. Shocking. Not shocking. We have a very busy show. The Prime Minister, by the way, has not said anything either, but I would suggest maybe one of them should. Because as Extinction Rebellion made clear, well, we don't endorse violence. We can't help what our grassroots people do. Someone should maybe put out a message. It's not okay on the right. It's certainly not okay for eco-terrorism in this country. Leo DiCaprio, stick to acting. All right, at least you're good at that. Uh, but that is the message coming out of a lot of First Nations groups who are getting pretty sick and tired of celebrities like DiCaprio and know-nothings who poke their nose into issues in this country that they know nothing about, but who do have a lot of influence and can impact decisions and things that are happening here in this country. And DiCaprio decided to weigh into the coastal line gas link issue, tweeting to his 19 million followers, quote, after setting up a blockade to protect their land community and sacred headwaters, Wedzunqua from Coastal Gas Link's planned fracked gas pipeline, the Wet'suwet'en Nation has faced militarized raids from the RCMP. We must protect the right of land defenders. End quote. First of all, DiCaprio fails to understand that the police were actually trying to help the 500 workers trapped by protesters running out of food and water. He also fails to understand that 20 First Nations groups very much do want this pipeline built so that they can improve life in their communities. But, you know, at the end of the day, should we be surprised? I mean, this is the same celebrity blowhard who said he experienced climate change right up close in Alberta a few years ago because a Chinook blew in. That That's who's got influence in this world. Alice Ross, member of the BC Legislative Assembly for Skeena, certainly had a reaction to this. He joins us now. Good to have you, Alice. Nice to be here, Alex. All right. You tweeted out, and that's what caught my attention, to Mr. DiCaprio's tweet, quote, you have no idea what you're talking about. Give me a call. I'll tell you the other side of the story as an Aboriginal leader who was on the front of this project from day one. Your tweet got an awful lot of reaction. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was quite surprised with it, but I've been actually trying to explain 
the truth about uh, well, what's been going on here in BC in terms of Aboriginal rights and title for the better part of 15 years. Unfortunately, Canadians and even the Aboriginals, for that matter, don't understand what Aboriginal rights and title really is. Right. And they don't understand, you know, what's going on. And yet they have so much influence. And so DiCaprio tweets it. And then, you know, you get a Mark Ruffalo tweeting it. And they've got huge amounts of, um, you know, influence in this world. They claim that they're all climate justice leaders, but it does damage um, to a country. What he should do is stick to worrying about his own country. But they do have influence. That's that's the problematic part. Uh, yeah. And, and it's more than a problem because they're actually going with the wrong narrative. I mean, if they, if they had come right. to talk to the leaders, the elected leaders, who actually signed on to the LNG agreement in the first place and spent the better part of 10 years uh, exploring these projects through legal processes as defined as a, by the provincial government and the federal government and negotiating with these, uh, these private sector companies, they'd know this was fully explored and investigated. These Aboriginal leaders that signed on to it just didn't sign on at the spur of a moment. They actually, they hired lawyers, they hired consultants, advisors, environmental companies, uh, the, the list goes on and on. But what uh, these movie stars uh, fail to comprehend is that this, this is not a choice for the Canadian government. It's actually covered in the Constitution of Canada that Aboriginal rights and title is actually hereby recognized. And for the last 20, 30 years, we've been going to court to define exactly what that means. And we finally got a definition in 2004. Mm-hmm. And then, and how many countries around the world can say that? How many countries can say they have Aboriginal rights and title recognized in their constitution? And that's what actually brought a lot of our success from 2004 to 2017 in terms of BC overall, as well as uplifting Aboriginals out of poverty. And that's what these movie stars, you know, they, they refuse to acknowledge that because they like mm-hmm. the narrative that somehow First Nations here are not included in any of the decision-making, which is absolutely false. Right. Well, and we must protect the rights of these land defenders. Well, like, I don't think Leo DiCaprio, obviously, I don't think he saw the picture of these quote-unquote land defenders who had hooked up a natural gas line so that they can stay warm. So here they are protesting the coastal gas pipeline, which will be a natural gas line, um, because they're so against that. But they're certainly not against the natural gas that they're keeping warm over right now, which is like they don't see their contradictions and the hypocrisy. And yet... These same protesters, many of whom are white and they're not indigenous at all, are the same people backing David Suzuki as he, you know, threatens to blow up pipelines, um, you know, and are really, I think, as Chris Sankey, who I had on the show last night, said, you know, they're exploiting these issues on the backs of, of indigenous people. Is that how you see it? Oh, without a doubt. There's no doubt about that. In fact, if Leonardo DiCaprio, I, I did say, to, uh, give me a phone call and I'll explain this, but I'll go one step further. Come on up to Kitimat. And I'll show you exactly what we've done in terms of progress, in terms of lifting our people out of poverty. Every single program I was a part of from 2004 to 2017 to address poverty, there's also social issues of my people, failed. Mm -hmm. It failed. And what I was trying to address was poverty. I was trying to address unemployment. I was trying to address our children going into government care. I I was trying to address Aboriginals going to prison. I was trying to address suicide. None of it worked until I turned my full focus towards just creating an economy and getting people to work. That worked wonders. So, if, uh, you know, I know Mr. DiCaprio, you know, doesn't understand poverty or welfare, doesn't understand these kind of things, but in, the last, uh, in my lifetime, how many people can say, yes, I've seen 14 of my friends and family commit suicide? 
And that's mm-hmm. not counting the people that attempted it. This is so outrageous for some of these movie stars to come in with just uh, at the last minute and actually take a narrative where they don't even understand the foundation of what we're actually doing up here. If they really had an interest in Aboriginal people, they would come up and they'd find that there would suit and, there would suit and leadership up there, the ones that are actually running that blockade. They actually stripped the chieftain title away from three lady chiefs up in that area, only for the simple cause, the simple matter of them supporting LNG and because they wanted a future for the people. That is absolutely outrageous. And nobody's talking about that. I mean, these movie stars, well, yeah, you, 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 might get a, you might get a good uh, retweet from your 19 million followers, but that does nothing for the Aboriginals in Canada. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Well, if you do, uh, if, if DiCaprio does come, please invite me along for that uh, journey because I would love to, um, you know, make sure he's protected by all the, uh, you know, natural elements that happen in this country that he doesn't seem to understand. But nonetheless, I mean, you know, we also have the comments earlier this week, uh, David Suzuki making about, well, you know, this could lead to pipelines being uh, bombed, um, you know, and he's being endorsed by, uh, you know, the nuttery of, um, you know, this uh, group, the Extinction Rebellion. Um, you know, he may not do it, but certainly in the climate that we're in Ellis, and you know how divided this country is. It only takes one nut job to, to take the command of someone who is, you know, is as known as a, a David Suzuki. But the destruction it would do to First Nations, those communities that live along the pipeline, uh, you know, they don't realize that those are the people that are hurting the most. Well, think about that. Uh, David Suzuki knows how influential his words are, especially when he's talking to an impressionable audience, like what he was talking to. And not only did he say, mm-hmm. well, pipelines, he also mentioned to his audience that we have to put our bodies on the line. That is mm-hmm. reckless. That is dangerous. You, you're talking about protesters. You're talking about average people that don't know the truth of where this is coming from, that rely on fossil fuels. Like it or not, we rely on fossil fuels. And by the way, those bodies that are out there, it's not just going to be protesters. Yeah. It's going to be law enforcement. It's going to be yeah. media. If, if you're going to start blowing stuff up, I mean, I, I can't believe this conversation is being allowed to have. And by the way, the, the group that he is uh, is part of, if he's supporting or they're supporting him, they went further. They said yeah. that ultimately yeah. that uh, uh, members of the media and, uh, and political leaders were going to get killed. Yeah, this yeah. Is it's interesting. We saw a political leader, right? We saw a political leader get stabbed over, overseas and it outraged the yeah. world. But here in Canada, this is yeah. becoming a normal conversation and nobody's is raising an eyebrow. This is, we're really talking about society when we're talking about this. And this is not the kind yeah. of world I want my kids growing up in. No question about it. And, and they don't seem to realize the carbon uh, you know, imprint and footprint of a, of a, a pipeline full of fuel going up uh, in, in flames. Uh, you know, but reconciliation was a very big part of Trudeau's throne speech on uh, Tuesday. Um, energy development, as you well know, Ellis, because you've been fighting for it with numbers of other First Nations groups, is a big part of how to get to reconciliation. Do you have any indication, any belief that the prime minister is starting to understand this? I don't know about that. And, you know, what? I've, I've been trying to champion this for for many almost over a decade now uh all the politicians that have their definitions of reconciliation does nothing to address the social issues of aboriginal people does nothing the only thing that i've seen in my 17 years of experience is actually getting them into a good well-paying meaningful job that's it and this goes for any kind of uh any walk of life it doesn't matter your background doesn't matter your race doesn't matter where you come from 
Everybody is looking for a way to actually provide for themselves and their family. It just comes down to basic yeah. human nature. And for the first time in our history in BC from 2004 to 2017, for Aboriginals and non-Aboriginals alike, we accomplished it. That's why I'm inviting Leonardo DiCaprio and the other, his, his Hollywood co-pal there, come up to Kitimat and I'll show you. I'll show you what it looked like before 2004, and I'll show you exactly what it looks like today. It's a completely different world. Yeah. Well, no question about it. I'd love to see this happen, but I'm glad you uh, spoke out against it, and certainly I'm glad you came on the show. Alice, always welcome here. Thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome, Alex. See you later. There you go. You heard it from his mouth, and that is uh, Alice Ross joining us here. As a member of the BC Legislative Assembly for Eskina. I think that many people around the world think that this movement has gone too far and it's time to restore some basic common sense, basic judgment, and, and to stop displaying this enormous ignorance that, that we're seeing. That is the voice of Hillel Nyor, who's the executive director of UN Watch. He's a involved in a human rights advocacy group. And he was talking to Greg Brady this morning about woke culture, the corrupting of our school boards. But this cancer is no longer just an issue on our campuses. I mean, it's infiltrated our governments, which are forcing this into our every decision being made. And an award-winning Montreal scientist is breaking his silence, speaking out against this after he was refused for two federal grants for research. Because when asked about what kind of inclusion and diversity would be on his team, he dared tell the decision makers that he'd be hiring based on merit and qualifications and not a person's identity. I mean, imagine that, you know, imagine that. And while uh, this professor was warned not to go public with his story, he is breaking his silence out of concern that this woke policy is killing innovation, harming science, and ultimately disrupting and ruining our society. Pat Kambampati is an associate professor, the Department of Chemistry at McGill University. He joins us now. Great to have you, Professor. Thank you for having me. And not to point out the obvious, but you yourself are an immigrant to this country from India. So well, you actually, would know. Interestingly, yeah. I, was an, I was an immigrant from India to the United States, and then we immigrated from the United States to take a position at McGill. But that was when I was, let's say, 33. Right. So I'm twice but you know racism. Yeah, yeah and, and so you, you know what diversity means, you know the importance of it, you know where it works, where it doesn't. But, you know, despite your experiences, it's interesting when I when I read through, um, you know, what what you talk about is that you've experienced racism and unfairness through your life. And yet you still believe in treating everyone equally and fairly. That's precisely the point. And I think. You know, I'm often asked by people, why would you take such a stand when it could actually harm your career? I've been told Mm -hmm. by everyone from, you know, my wife to my friends to my colleagues that I'm harming my career. And I've never been careerist to begin with, which is, I think, part of the reason why I'm here. I'm interested in I've always been interested in standing up for other people, standing up for principles, standing up for equality. And what I see going on in academia is a tremendous disservice to it. And I mm-hmm. just feel like I couldn't stand by any longer. And uh, now seems a pretty good time to say, I, 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 I'm going to be upfront with who I am and I dare you to come and call me out. And I think as you're mentioning, this is the, this is the cancerous part of woke culture is that people are trying to call people out to say what they think. And therefore people are afraid to say what they think. And that is very, 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 harmful to 
human civilization, to democracy, to science, to progress. Mm-hmm. All of that's based upon the ability to disagree civilly. Yeah, I mean, no longer is this an issue of political correctness run amok. I mean, this is all out censorship that we are now looking at in the year of 2021. What's the reaction been like to, um, you know, your revelations? Well, I have to say I was very pleasantly surprised so far. I've received, I think, like 100 emails in my inbox in the last, you know, few hours or the last since this morning. And uh, they've all been incredibly positive, thankful, even grateful, saying, you know, you know, you know, you're brave and courageous for calling out on a limb like this. And uh, thank you for doing it because other people couldn't do it. So I've not received a single negative comment. And I imagine the Internet or the Twitter sphere would be a great area for to find negative commentary. Mm-hmm. And I know that Gad Sad and others have tweeted about the story of mine. And uh, I imagine that's where you find a lot of the woke people, the social justice warriors, who are going to find some possible way to, to, to read this badly. And I don't know how they're going to do it, but they'll find some possible way. That's what I've been told by my other colleagues who've tried to stand out and stand out in terms of classical liberal principles of merit, fairness, and equality. That's what a colleague at University of Chicago named Dorian Abbott was talking about. And these are the things that I feel are pretty reasonable, and we don't all, we can all disagree, too. That's the whole point. We don't all have to agree. And my interest is standing up for the right of others to disagree and be themselves. Yeah, careful with what you say there, Professor, because apparently these days we are not allowed to all agree to disagree because it does get many canceled and there are very few voices anymore that can stand up to it. And so, you know, you took the risk and and, and kudos to you for doing that. But um, it's um, it, it's troubling that so many people have to call these days to quietly say, thank you very much for saying what we can't say. I mean, that to me is a sign of a society that's in deep, deep trouble. I very much agree with that. And I've heard a number of people tell me, about the parallels to the Soviet Union. And in this case, if you say it, then people in the mainstream media will say you're crazy and so forth. Fortunately, as a scientist, I have the benefit of knowing people who grew up in the former Soviet Union and uh, and, and were able to leave during its fall. But these are people who are probably retirement age now, and they tell stories about when they were young in the Soviet Union, and they weren't allowed to even learn science from modern Western textbooks because that was capitalistic science. So science mm-hmm. was corrupted. Everything was corrupted in the Soviet Union. So as, as the scientists will tell you that not only were they not able to learn Western science, one of the results of that was the Ukrainian famine, which caused 20 million people to starve to death. That's the result of communist science. That's the result of social justice-based science. And the social justice warriors are saying we have to, science must have a social justice bent. And the last time that happened was the Soviet Union or China. Yeah. And even even China knows not to not do it because right now they're actually interested in making money. So China's trying to get ahead because they just want industry. Yeah, of course. And and here in Canada, we're now bending over and letting China do whatever it wants uh, at our own peril. But, you know, it's interesting because the grant you were looking for was for $450,000. And it's, um, I mean, you are, um, you know, creating cutting edge, super fast laser science. And so this is an area that um, spans anywhere, everywhere and everything from telecom to medic- medicine. And you yourself believe that we in this country could become a world leader. But of course, you can't do this research according to your story unless you have all the boxes checked, even if the person that you are forced to hire is completely inept. 
Right. Right. Well, that's the point. And I think even on faculty hiring, that's where it really comes in is faculty hiring is so bad that uh, it's so egregious and so off base that you, if you're a straight white man that is healthy, there are entire positions you cannot apply for. You must be either a woman, a certain minority. You cannot be Asian or Jewish because we don't count. Uh, (laughs) And you... You must be, if not that, then you're a, a sexual minority because it's either, the main thing is you can't be heterosexual. And if you are one of the above, then you must be handicapped. What counts yeah. as handicapped? So I was actually, I actually openly discussed this with my colleagues and my PhD students a lot because I feel like universities should be an unsafe space where we discuss things openly and I refuse to have it be a safe space. So I'm going to force an open discussion. And we talk about it with my students and half my group or more of my group is a bunch of, you know, most of science is done on the backs of 25 year old white guys. You know, that's my group. Those are my PhD students. And one of whom is slightly handicapped. I mean, he has a medical condition. He doesn't consider himself handicapped. But now he's saying, should I do that? Another of my colleagues is in a wheelchair and he's the least handicapped person I know. But nonetheless, he could say, well, do I want to play this game? And, and myself, do I want to play this game? And the answer is playing this game is vulgar and barbaric. Yeah, it and it takes away from human progress. Well, I mean, to your point, I mean, I, I don't know how you can be a scientist um, outside of maybe in Russia or the countries you referred to. I mean, if you can't question anything, that, that is what science is. It's questioning. It's, it's watching it evolve. It's questioning. If you can't question it, um, we don't have science. And I think that's where we're at now because the government is intervening so much with how science is done. It is becoming like socialistic, communistic countries uh, or formerly it could have been a religious sense of censorship as happened for the ancient scientists, but that hasn't happened for a long, long, long time. The biggest censorship of science has come from modern social justice warriors who are the communists, and now the, the, the very modern social justice warriors who are the woke progressives are saying you can't say things like gender is real, things like that. Gender is real. All these other things are real. Biology is real. It has consequences on human behavior and the human mind. But you can't talk about that. I personally am not an expert on biology nor on any aspect of human behavior, but I know a little bit about electrons. And if I know a little bit of electrons, I'm curious about how the human mind works. And I might just wander out loud. But here's the thing. If I wander out loud while walking down the hallways, I could get canceled. And that seems preposterous to me. That's something that hit me in the last five years. And that's what's made people like Jordan Peterson and Gad Sad, you know, become very famous and get a lot of traction, which I'm very happy about, uh, which is that we scientists can't be scientists in public or we have to hide behind closed doors. Well, you can wonder out loud here on my show. I can't wonder wonder out loud because you never know what will come out of my mouth, but you're welcome here. Professor, very much thank you uh, for your time and for sharing your uh, your story with us. Thank you. You're very welcome. There you go. That is uh, Professor Cam Bampati joining us here, and I'm glad he's pushing back. We need more of this. He is right to do so. It's been a long fight. It's been a hard fight, but God is good. Yes, he is. Early in, I never saw, I, to tell you the truth, I never saw this day back in 2020. Mm-hmm. I never thought this day would come. But God is good. That is the voice of Wanda Cooper 
Jones just minutes after learning that the three white men who shot and killed her son, Ahmed Arbery, are guilty of his murder. And this case out of Georgia um, almost didn't even happen. I mean, it was forced out into the open when the video, which was shot by one of the men involved, got leaked out showing these white men riding in their pickup truck behind this young black man who was out uh, jogging in a predominantly white neighborhood and who was then killed when they opened fire without provocation, leaving the 25-year-old to die alone on the road back in February of 2020. Boy, oh boy, and here we are. Let me bring in someone who can chat about this. The Let me get uh, Lauren Honickman in, our Global News, Global News Radio legal expert. Good to have you, Lauren. Hi, Alex. Another verdict from south of the border. <laughs> it is. This one's, um, you know, this to me is um, like a sh- open shut case. As soon as that video was put out into the open, which was a complete fluke, apparently, uh, it yep. really did tell the story of what happened. But the defense had argued during this trial, trial that the men were defending themselves, that he had committed a crime in the neighborhood and they were just, you know, responding to it. But the clear, the video clearly shows that this man was basically stalked by these men and then surrounded, and he was trying to defend himself, you know, as he minded his yeah. own business. Yeah, and, and, you know, when we talk about um, justice and trials in the States, we always have to put that caveat in because there is always, there seems to be so many different layers and so many different things that we see down there that we don't see mm-hmm. here. Like, for example, as you said, I mean, these charges almost didn't even happen. It took apparently almost 70 days or over 70 days. There was two district attorneys down there who were indicted, one for trying to cover things up. I mean, those are the types of things. Um, And and then finally, the charges uh, 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 get laid. They, They have the trial. And then, as you say, the video comes out. And what does it show? It shows father and son McMichaels, you know, that they had grabbed their guns. They jumped into a pick up truck to pursue him uh, because they thought um, or that was their the, the story uh, that that he was breaking in or, or doing burglaries in in the in the area and then the third man the person who ends up shooting yeah. that video um, he he's he's in a in a truck and he's shooting that and um, and and he ends up being convicted because of his actions in that truck as as part of uh, as part of the whole scenario, and what yeah. what was what was interesting, Alex, is you know when you when you look at it and you you put in and you're looking at it through Canadian lens and you're hearing these charges, you know, felony murder, um, malice murder, and and mm-hmm. you know, oh, what, what, okay, okay, well, wait a minute, what do we do? And all we're talking about is malice murder. There is like our first or second degree murder. It has to be an intent. If you commit felony murder, you're like a participant. That's what we call it here, a party to an offense. And so that third man, that third man was found to have been committing a felony down there, because you have to be committing a felony before you can be found uh, committing felony murder, by using his pickup truck to actually falsely imprison him by cutting him off Mm -hmm. and, and doing that. And so it was... Just the whole scenario, and you you just shake your head, and the fact that a jury, by the way, deliberates mm-hmm. for only ten hours after what yeah. a, a a a two week trial, a three uh, or a thirteen day trial with with how many witnesses? Um, you you you, pro- you knew that 
once you heard that the jury is coming back, back guilty. Yeah, yeah that, that, that was going to yeah, and, and interestingly, the jury was predominantly white. There was only one person of color right. on that, which speaks to the fact that, yes, they can deliver. Yes, they can come back with a, a just verdict. You know, it's, it's interesting to me because this video, which was shot by the third guy, um, but uh, following behind the truck of the father and son, yeah. you know, he shoots this video. It di- That doesn't see the, cer- you know, the light of day. Now, I don't know if he stupidly leaked it out, put it on social media, or if someone he knows who knew about it and made right. sure it got out to a network. But had that video not somehow gotten into the public domain, and, and as soon as it did, Lauren, it went viral because it was so horrific. Like, here's this man going for a run, and he got completely massacred uh, right. and left to die alone. And so if, if that video hadn't surfaced, that man laying dead in the road, there would be no justice. Yeah, no, and Period. that this and wouldn't have been about, a case. Yeah, I thought about that as sorry. I gotta oh, shoot. Uh, okay, shut up. Po- oh, yeah, I know. I know. Everybody wants to talk about the trial. It could be a client. Okay, uh, yeah. yeah, let me just get this <laughs> off. Right, sorry. Um, one of the other interesting parts about this, Alex, that that to me was was really interesting is that they this this whole case uh, they they had a a law down there, the citizens arrest law, um, that yeah. came, that dated back to the Civil War. Uh, you know, which allowed residents to take law enforcement into their own hands if they witnessed the crime. Police weren't around. And they were those laws down there were easily abused. And, of course, the judge in this case, well, first of all, the legislatures pulled back on that. And the judge in this case said to the jury at that time, uh, no, 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 you, th- there's no citizen's arrest here. They, you, they did not see, you know, you're not going to find that they had seen a crime. And, and he took that whole defense, even a possibility away. And the interesting thing was the prosecution, and of course they use great language down there when they speak to juries, right, that we don't really see up here, mm, but when the yeah, prosecutor, yeah. the, the, the Much prosecu- more theatrical, yeah. Yeah, the, the, dis- the, the prosecutor down there said his only crime was he was jogging while black. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that, and, but that's that, true. Yeah, and, and that's true, and of course then that defense lawyer, in one of the defense lawyers, in her, in her final submissions to the jury, talked about the dead man's nails and his long nails and what he was wearing that offended so many people. Now I know what she was trying to do. She was trying to say, well, he wasn't dressed and didn't look like a jogger, right? Uh, a jo- that I know he, that's probably the point that she was trying to make, but of course people just went crazy. Even when she said that, and in the U S you know, like with these, Anything like that is it's it's just the tip of the iceberg for some people yeah. when they look at this and say, you know, and she was she became uh, in the target of so many critics just for saying that in her closing submissions. That's how volatile yeah. and emotionally volatile this trial was. No question about it. I'm up against the clock, but I mean, okay. to the point, I mean, had they gone any other way on what was a very obvious conviction, uh, the, the, the United States would probably be on fire right now. So 100%. hopefully calmer heads can prevail and uh, the yes. family can uh, move on knowing that they got some uh, justice here because it really was a just a just a horrific attack. Lauren, appreciate your time on this. My pleasure. We'll talk soon, Alex. Always. That's uh, Lauren Honigman joining us here. And yeah, um, who knows what today would have brought had they gotten this any other way. Thank you for listening. Of course, you can join us Monday through Friday starting 630 sharp. I'm Alex Pearson on point, And this is Global News Radio.